is Lemieux. The center penalty coming up. Look at Lemieux. Talking Show, Season 3, Episode 28. This one we're calling The Larmer. Nice. Steve Larmer. Uh, it's co-host Tom here with you, and I am with, in person, for the first time in like a year, co-host Randy, and he's just teeing up some biscuits here and going bar down ski. Uh, how's it going today, Randy? Doing, doing good. Uh, you know, we're here at the home rink, Lord Roberts uh, Community Center, ripping some biskies. Yeah, uh, we're on location today. On location. Uh, technology is a wonderful thing. We're not on Zoom. <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember when the last time we would have done an in-person uh, I'm going to say like early March of 2020. Would that have been uh, at the bunker still? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So at the uh, Talk and Hockey Apocalypse Bunker. Um, so well, the world did almost end and we weren't even in the bunker. So. <laughs> The pandemic came and we left the bunker. Uh, I think that's the opposite of what you're supposed to do, but nonetheless. I think that uh, one, the, we're down a puck, but you yeah. know, that's what happens when you're at the ODR. Yeah, the boards are a little, um, well, there's a hole in them, so, you know, that'll happen. But yeah, so we're here today talking, uh, you know, talking hockey. We're going to talk about Steve Larmer. We don't have our uh, computers in front of us, so we can't do our... Uh, you know, our highly reputed talking hockey research, we always go in depth on everything, but here's what I'll tell you about Steve Larmer. He was number 28. He played for the Chicago Blackhawks. He had a little bit of a mullet, I uh, seem to remember from his hockey cards. And, uh, oof, that's about all I could tell you about Steve Larmer off the top of my head. You got any facts? Or? I do believe he did like the odd dart in between periods. <laughs> I, I believe that was that's like some something old time, that I heard. That's some old time hockey. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, listeners, you're hearing some sound effects here in the uh, in the background. So that is actually, we're just, yeah, we're, we got some these green biscuits. Uh, some of them are orange, but um, yeah, we're just shooting at some targets. I haven't hit a target yet. I don't know if I'm going to. Uh, well, but, usually the game is you can't leave until you hit one. So there was one couple evenings ago I was here pretty late, and <laughs> I think the the aim was slightly off, maybe because I had too many good neighbor loggers. But yeah. uh, well, they're all sold out of those, so you don't have to yeah. worry now. Oh. oh, that's a now there's a photogenic worthy puck in the stuck in the cage there. Oh, coming. <laughs> Coming at me off there, right off the post. Um, so on today's episode, we've got a real special guest. It's a fellow Crest of Steel teammate. Crest of Steel, of course, is the beer league hockey team that co-host Randy and I play on. Uh, hasn't seen action since, yeah, like late February, early March of 2020. There was a little bit of a Crest bubble, if you will. Uh, that lasted about four skates and then uh, health orders shut us down, um, and there's been nothing since. So, uh, but yeah, Caress of Steel teammate and True North employee Jason Keebler Colwell will be joining us a little later in the program. All right, so before our guest joins us today, we're going to, uh, we're out here, like I say, at the home rink, Lord Roberts. No ice in today, uh, uh, you know, Unfortunately, I but I don't know what, maybe cutbacks or global warming. <laughs> cutbacks or global warming. The fact that it's, yeah, uh, mid-June, I suppose, might even do it. But we're going to get some wrist shot pointers with co-host Randy here. If you don't know, Randy's got a deadly laser, so... Um, so Randy, why don't you just walk us through like what's gonna like you're gonna go top ched uh, where grandma keeps the cookies. 
Why don't you walk, uh, walk us through how you're gonna get there? Well, first of all, boys and girls, um, to take a good wrist shot, you gotta really transfer your weight. If you're right-handed, you gotta make sure you're transferring from your right to your left. Obviously, if you're left-handed, you're going the other way. You know, a couple, couple key things to look for here is, like I said, putting, putting the puck kind of on your back foot, uh, maybe a little bit past it, um, transferring your weight all the way from right to left, following through and almost like, you know, if you've grew up in the 80s and 90s like ourselves, the coach would tell you to point at your target kind of thing. Um, but I'm gonna take this a, a little step further with something that I've been working on. And it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, Tommy, you're a, you're a skateboarder. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the first time that, uh, you know, drop, dropping in on a ramp, yeah. you know, that little uncertainty because yeah, right it's, before you sort of push down yeah there and... you don't really know like especially if you've tried it a few times before and and uh you know you've bailed or whatever yeah but one thing i've been working on especially when i'm rollerblading is now um keeping my head up the whole time and just feeling the puck on my stick mm. and not looking not looking down at the puck but just keeping it and uh and keeping my head up the whole time, looking where I'm gonna shoot. Yeah, that's gonna improve your accuracy. Uh, instead of like looking and then looking down and then maybe looking back up, that's your, you know, your, your, uh, your target that you might've been looking at might be gone by then. So it's a real Kyle Connor thing where you can really see the guy is like, you know, kind of uh, targeting where he wants to shoot. He might even be looking top right and he goes top left or whatever. Yeah. But really trusting the puck on your stick and your uh, making sure that you have like a very consistent, you know, shot motion that it's something that you could do in the darkness with your eyes closed, not looking kind of thing. So definitely like some practice and repetition of that is gonna, is gonna help in getting a good feel for the puck on your stick. Like, so some drills to, to have that feeling of the puck on your stick while not looking down at it. That, that's gonna help your, your wrist shot. And while, while you're taking your wrist shot, you kinda wanna have that puck start on your heel and it kinda travels the whole length of your blade. Yeah. And it kind of, uh, you know, flick, flicks, off, flicks off the toe. And then almost in similar fashion, you've got your wrist closed so your blade is cupping over the puck, but you could also do it uh, if you open up your wrists and have your blade open and you kind of take the same motion as uh, as a wrist shot, that basically becomes like a, sa a saucer pass. Right. You're just putting a little softer touch on it there. Yeah, and I, I mean, oh, I almost hit the target. Um, but I, I find that, uh, I mean, it's a lot different on the ice, obviously, uh, using an actual puck than these biscuits which are a lot lighter and you get a lot more drag on this uh, asphalt this isn't the smoothest asphalt again yeah pretty cut rough. backs here at uh, yeah. Lord Roberts but hey we're, uh, we're we're on top of it but um, that's a bit of a floater but uh, yeah also my stick here that I'm using is a real piece of crap but that, that'll happen yeah nice. that yellow one's sliding pretty nicely it does Nice. So, right on. So let me let me just try. What, do do four in a row. Let me just see if I can uh, hit a target with four in a row with with some of co-host Randy's. I'm gonna tips I'm gonna points. make sure I'm keeping uh, myself hydrated over also here. Also, a very important part of um, hockey, staying hydrated. I have water here. Oh, bar down. Oh, that went bar down. But I mean, uh, right by the goalie's ear there, not not in the corner. No, right. See that puck's gonna take off on you. Oh, oh, another Bardownski. Yeah. I mean, I love that sound, but it didn't go in. So you don't, you can't, you can't score them all. But there is something very sweet about, you know, whether it's uh, posting in or bar down and in or whatever. Yeah. There's just something I'd much rather score like that than along the ice. That's for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Although uh, speaking about goals along the ice, last night's uh, Montreal versus Vegas. Game three, overtime hero Josh Anderson, both of his along the along ice. Along the so, ice. Hey, you score them wherever you can, right? So, but you're right. Like, 
if you're drawing it up in your head, overtime hero style, you're going bar down or something. Yeah, there's not a lot of times where I'm looking bottom corner, I can tell you that. <laughs> if there's any goalies listening, if I'm coming in on you, I'm probably not going bottom corner. But... I think certainly in beer league, nobody's looking bottom corner. Uh, I do look five hole though. Yeah, yeah, I like, I like a five hole now and then. Because I think you can catch goalies snoozing on that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, because they in beer league, like I say, pretty much everybody thinks you're going upstairs. Yeah, you're going glove. So when, if you can, if you have the the presence of mind to look them off upstairs, like you're gonna shoot it up there, and then just pick that five hole spot, then. Especially if you've had a shot or two on net before, uh -huh. and you put it up by their ears, then they might be not expecting that five hole shot That's next true. time. That's true. Yeah, mixing it up. Nothing wrong with with uh, putting one by the ears of the opposing goalie, that's for sure. <laughs> I think that's my problem uh, in, in beer league is, uh, let's say I'm ripping down the wing or something and I just wanna like get a quick shot off. I, uh, my accuracy, I often, I think that I need to work on that, keeping my hat up and looking where I'm shooting. Because what I often do is I'll be coming down and I'll look at my spot, but then I look back down at the puck so that I don't make a fool of myself and whiff on it. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, and then when I go to let go of my shot, I rip it wide. And uh, if you're coming down the wing and you rip a shot wide, that can be a dangerous thing because it can then rim around the boards and then the other team go the goes other way. back the other way and it's an odd man rush. Or, Something like that, so definitely. This is, uh, yeah, beer league fundamentals here. I like this. Uh, With the em emphasis on fun. <laughs> That's right. Oh, oh, and there's a target coming down. Just that would have gone in on three and out of four beer league goalies. <laughs> Saucer pass came over here. Oh. All right, well, it looks like our guest is here, so we uh, we should stop shooting biscuits and start talking some hockey with them. But first, here's NXS with Don't Change. Yeah. 
All right, that was Don't Change by In Excess. A little uh, song recommendation by Caress of Steel legend, Jason Keebler Cowell, who joins us now. Jason, good to see you, buddy. How you doing? Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, no worries, Tom. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be here, uh, talk hockey and, uh, and life and wherever the talk goes, right? Yeah, so like we've been uh, we've been talking about getting you on the show for quite some time, not just due to your uh, caress of steel prowess, but uh, you also were, happen to work for the the local hockey team, which is pretty cool. So we'll uh, we'll get into that chit chat for sure, like in a little bit here. But I just want to start off with asking you about that in excess song. Not a typical hockey song, or is it? Uh, tell us tell us a little about why you, why you chose that one. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I think the song just rips. I think the uh, I think the intro's great. Uh, I think it's sort of a, a groovy. I'm trying to figure out how to block these beeps, but yeah, I think it's sort of a groovy uh, a groovy jam. Um, having said that, uh, the last couple years um, with 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 that work, I work for True North Sports Entertainment. Uh, own the Winnipeg Jets, Manitoba Moose. Uh, Kyle, our, our game producer for the Jets, uh, right when people are walking into to a Jets game, you know, an hour before the game, uh, that song, he always plays that song. So, oh, no way. yeah, so to me, it's, 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 it's a great song. And then it's also great hearing it Just in a, a, an arena. Synonymous people. with getting fired up and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, nice. and, and that song also I, I had put that on our Caress of Steel playlist. Uh, yeah, we picked you know we picked two songs and that was one of them. Nice. Speaking of Caress, let's let's chat a little Caress of Steel. It's been a while. Um, I mean, obviously we've been pandemic bound here and haven't haven't had the chance to play in like you know what feels like an eternity. I don't know what the actual timeline is, but. Um, yeah, let's let's start off with uh, Keebler. What number are you? What way do you shoot? And what's your position? Uh, I'm number four. Uh, I shoot right, uh, and then the majority of my time on Caress have been playing D. Uh, although I, I've switched up to forward here and there uh, for a game, for numerous games, for a season. Uh, but primary primary uh, primary uh, position is is defense. So, so tell the listeners how you connected with Caress of Steel. How did you, how did you come into this world? And did you know of Caress of Steel before you entered this world? Uh, well, how I heard about Caress of Steel is, is uh, a number of years ago uh, as, as a form of, of income. I used to tour with bands. Uh, one of those bands, uh, I'm not originally from Winnipeg. Um, I was actually living in Richmond, Virginia in, in the early 2000s uh, and uh, we started touring uh, just by circumstance and, and sort of the universe. Uh, started touring with Propagandi uh, in 2007. Um, obviously those guys or, or most of those guys in the band uh, at the time um, uh, we're all into hockey. Uh, so, and I knew that going into it, right? Obviously, if you're a fan of that band, uh, you, you've known it for years because of their lyrics. Uh, so yeah, getting, getting to, to tour with them and, and become sort of closer to that, that, uh, that outfit, uh, you would hear Caress mentioned all the time, right? Um, not in the first couple of years. I think I started hearing the name Caress maybe 2010 or so. Um, could be wrong by year or two with with uh, um, with with reference, but uh, yeah, that's how I heard of them. Again, living in Richmond. Uh, from Richmond, I moved up to Montreal in 2007, and then uh, ended up uh, you know um, meeting meeting the lady, and and her and I were together for a while, and we had a baby on on the way, and and she was originally from Winnipeg. Uh, so her and I decided to, uh, uh, to move to Winnipeg, um, right when he was right before he was born. Um, and I had reached out to the, you know, I, I'd reached out to the propaganda guys and, you know, we were all friends at that point. We'd known each other for six, seven years and said, Hey, I'm moving to town. Um, you know, I'd like to 
play some hockey. Um, and then I think, you know, Chris, had, Chris Hannah, he sent me a text back, like, you know, yeah, we'll put you through tryouts, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then I think like within four weeks of, of landing in Winnipeg, I think I'd skated with caress. Um, so to back up there, you know, um, I, I don't know where you want me to go with this, but, uh, you know, I had just bought skates in Montreal about a year and a half earlier, just skates. So I hadn't skated and played hockey for probably, I think it was 17 years, bought skates while I was living in Montreal, played five pickup games, no, no refs, no style, just pickup games, right? With, with full gear or just uh, stick and puck kind? No, it was full gear. Um, but again, it was just five games and there was no rhyme or reason, no structure, no nothing. Uh, and then, uh, you know, so I'd had gear. And then when I reached out to those, to the propaganda guys, when I was moving to Winnipeg, um, you know, I'd already had gear. And then, uh, like I said, about four weeks after I landed here, played my first game. Um, I'm pretty sure that my very first game, this hasn't happened since. And I don't even know if I've got this many goals in, in a year or two combined, but I, I'm pretty certain that I may have scored two goals on my very first game with Caress. That's a I good impression. One, I think I scored I th- two. I, th- I think you did because you came in near the end of the season and I'm like, I think you scored more, more than a few, at, like for the last few games. And it's just like, holy, who's this guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then keep in mind, like, so that would have been my first real hockey game as, uh, you know, whatever, 36 year old since I was, you know, 11 years old. So I come in and I score, I, I still remember one of them coming down the left side and I just sort of cut in and 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 shot and probably wasn't looking and it happened to go in and and then the second one went in as well so yeah yeah that's that's how i joined caress was was through the friends and and meeting you all now right so then that's about you're saying about 2010 or so i guess right no uh caress started 2011 Okay. Yeah, so I would have been, this would have 2013 been maybe? 2013 maybe okay yeah because i joined the team i believe in 2015 um and you were not on the team because at that time you were living uh in medicine hat so um let's get into the medicine hat stuff a little bit later i just want to continue talking about keebler's hockey history here but like so when did you start playing uh as a kid because you're you're living in virginia you're saying and 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 i know that you lived in california but that's not originally where you're from so is that where you got into hockey or did you start hockey when you lived as a little kid in, in Alberta? Yeah. So I, I was born and raised in Alberta. Uh, I probably started playing hockey when I was six or seven uh, in Grand Prairie, uh, Grand Prairie. Uh, you know, I, I haven't looked up all the alumni from Grand Prairie, but the one specific one that I know uh, was Clint Malarchuk. Clint, oh yeah. Clint Malarchuk was from Grand Prairie. Uh, but yeah, I would have started playing six or seven in Grand Prairie and that was my thing. Yeah. Like that yeah. was, that was our, my thing, just like it was you two, right? Like every year, that's what, uh, I was what into it. <laughs> I was full on into it. Uh, when it wasn't winter, it was out on the park or out on the street and nets and tennis balls and, you know, those brown leather, uh, you know, they were actually goal pads for ice, but then you would wear them you know for summer and they had hay in them right like they had you know you get them all ripped up on the concrete and all this hay is starting to come out of them um yeah so i started playing hockey in grand prairie um grand prairie had a uh, a bigger team um i i don't know what league they would have been part of because they played teams from british columbia but yeah back in the day like when i was a kid the grand prairie north stars were like mm. That was that's, it, right? I think that's senior hockey. They would play for like the Allen Cup, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's like that kind of, I don't know if that's semi-pro or what you would call that, but like adult senior hockey that, uh, yeah, think. yeah. I mean, it was seven, eight year old kid, right? Like going to, um, I don't know if they played out of the John A. McDonald arena, uh, but, uh, yeah, I'd get fries and gravy and oh, rink know, fries. Coons would be playing and hockey, and you're just a little kid running around. Um, 
Yeah, and then obviously growing up in Northern Alberta, uh, quite naturally by default, like at that time in the 80s, like you're instantly surrounded by the Edmonton Oilers. Um, so that was quite exciting, uh, you know, being in Alberta at that time and, and being a fan of that team. And, and uh, you know, I was the little kid, like with the Oilers jersey, you know, pretending I was Martin Jelinas, right? Or <laughs> whoever else, like, um, but yeah, that's, that's how I got into hockey was, uh, was in Alberta. And then uh, I, ju- I just checked it out on Hockey DB. The uh, Grand Prairie North Stars were a junior hockey team okay. uh, in the PCJHL. So, so the I don't know what that yeah, stands for, be. but yeah. oh, Peace Caribou Junior oh, Hockey League. Oh, naughty! Yeah, yeah, and and um, the uh, the North the the adult senior team I'm thinking of was the Il Duchesne North Stars. They're from around here, and they were like a hot team on the Canadian senior circuit. Anywho. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So got into hockey in Alberta, right? Yeah. In the early 80s and then the Oilers and, um, you know, personally played hockey and then uh, moved to California uh, when I was about 12, 13 years old, just to Southern California. So Gretzky had just been traded. When did he get traded? 89, 90? Uh, 88. 88, 89, something like that. We had moved moved in 92. So – so it was still a fresh move. Gretzky mania was in uh, full throttle. You guys, sure. Did you, did you, you guys were following Gretzky? You? Yes. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> were you playing then when you were 12 years old and you moved down there or was it there... one season? Um, did you just light everybody up? Cause you were the Canadian kid. No, no. <laughs> I mean, like, that, was hey, thing, right? that was the thing. It was uh, you leave Northern Alberta where, minor hockey costs x amount of dollars and then you go to southern california where minor hockey is you know triple the cost oh, well, yeah. um and yeah i wasn't necessarily like i wasn't the gretzky right so you know and and maybe not saying the style of play was different because i wasn't a gretzky right like i'm sure there was other kids better than i in southern california but uh because i wasn't the gretzky i sort of got out of it right like yeah uh, started going to the beach and whatever well, you doing do. California stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, to, so yeah. And from that point on to, to back up where we were talking about a couple minutes ago, like I stopped playing at hockey at that time. Like, yeah. So then you ended up, uh, yeah. Like moving out to medicine hat to sort of start your employment journey in the sort of like hockey, uh, world. Uh, tell us about what took you to medicine hat. Yeah, so moved out to, uh, and the hockey world, again, is sort of by default. But yeah, moved out to Medicine Hat. Uh, The city of Medicine Hat had opened up a brand new, uh, or they were constructing a brand new arena uh, for for the city, primarily the the home of the Medicine Hat Tigers, um, and sort of a new event center. Uh, So yeah, most of my, you know, my work, last 20 years has sort of been with with live events uh and yeah the 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 facility needed somebody to do their live events uh you know the title is a as a production manager and event manager uh so in 2015 i'd been in winnipeg for a year and a half uh 2015 i moved out to medicine hat uh to open up an arena uh that ended up being called the canelta center uh opened it up i moved out there and we opened it up a month later uh in august and then the tigers had their uh uh their inaugural season that 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 september um so i was out in medicine hat for for 20 months um it was awesome it was it was an incredible experience uh opening an arena um i moved out there because it was hockey uh if it was indoor football or, or basketball, I probably wouldn't have taken the gig, uh, you know, even though there was music involved, live music, uh, but the live music and the hockey component is what sold me. Um, so yeah, I moved out there, uh, got to watch, you know, WHL hockey every night. Um, you know, it was cool to see all the teams come and go and the coaches, right? Like, uh, Dave Lowry here in, uh, in Winnipeg, our assistant coach now, I think at the time, uh, he may have been with the Victoria, uh, Royal, Royals, 
Victoria Royals, right? And, okay. And at the time, right, years later, you would never know, you know, he would be with Winnipeg or I would be here either. Yeah. Uh, for me, he was, you know, walking down the hallway, you walk past and you're like, that, whoa, he just coached Team Canada, right? Like, um, but yeah, you know, seeing the Sutters come and go with the Rebels and, and uh, you know, the Tigers have a lot of history in, in the hockey world, the WHL. Um, they're an old, old team. Their fan base is, is very legit, very old, very old school. Um, you know, who Kelly Rudy was a Tiger. Uh, um, who's the Detroit Ken Holland? Uh, the Tiger have, they have a huge alumni list. Um, uh, yeah, they've been around for a long time as a franchise for sure. Yeah, Emerson Edom, which I, I, eh. I, that was before, maybe a year before I moved out there. Um, but yeah, oddly enough, he I was just reading up on him today. Like he owns a hockey team. Um, he owns some team in Long Beach. Oh, really? Yeah. Like he doesn't, he's not doesn't play anymore and I, I think he's like oh, he owns some team but uh yeah i was in medicine hat for for 20 20 months nice so when, um, when you mentioned uh growing up uh just outside edmonton there you know you know that's mid to late 80s you know you're around that whole dynasty thing uh that reminded me of like when we so we thanks to you big time we had chris number two on our show uh yeah. from anti-flag and something that I asked Chris, because he's been a Penguins fan since like the early or the late 80s. Uh, so he, he got to see the Penguins uh, win back-to-back cups twice. Plus there was one right in the middle. So, um, you know, where I'm going with this is like, uh, you know, guys like Chris uh, Barker, number two from, from Annie Flag, Russ Rankin, a lot of these guests that we had on the show lately are, are, are folks that you're connected to. So just like, you know, let us know, uh, you know, in that path or in that period of time from when you finished playing hockey at the age of 12 to, to, uh, to working in medicine hat, how did you get, where did you go? Who'd you hang out with? You know, you were touring with bands, you were working with bands. Give us a little Coles notes of, of those years of your life. Yeah, so moved to, you know, 92, growing up in Southern California. Um, obviously, I left uh, everything that I knew behind, hockey, friends, um, family, and, uh, you know, grade eight, grade nine, sort of needed somebody to, to hang out with, right? Uh, find my new sort of, my new path, my new family. Um, sort of gravitated towards sort of, uh you know the punks and the goths and the hippies at high school and and skateboarders and whatnot and through that you know just got into music more um started going to shows right saw good riddance uh probably i think 95 in ventura um they instantly became a big and my probably my favorite band at the time um oddly enough so did propaganda uh, and Bouncing Souls. Uh, I'd say those two bands because I ended up touring with them. Uh, but yeah, started uh, kind of just helping out at shows a little bit more, you know, photocopying flyers. And and one thing led to another, you know, started helping out at shows, working for a promoter in California. We were doing shows all over the central California. And then um, you know, doing a lot of good ridden shows and AFI and Bouncing Souls, Screw 32, Lagwagon, et cetera, et cetera. And then, uh, yeah, fell in love with Santa Cruz. Uh, so I ended up on my own moving to Santa Cruz in 99, uh, home of good ridden. So, you know, I had already known them and started getting to know them better. And I was still doing my own thing, doing shows, putting on shows. And then honestly, one thing led to another. I just sort of met more people and you know, started booking tours for a couple bands across North America, uh, met some more people, bands started reaching out to me for shows when they were coming to California. And then I just started, I, I would just literally go on the road with some of these bands, you know, it was nothing at the time. Um, but then through that, I just started going on the road more and more and people started paying me and, and then it spiraled out of control, right? Not out of control, but it just spiraled from there. So uh you know russ yes big good riddance fan 
Um, Anti-Flag worked for them um, as well, 2004 on Warp Tour. Uh, kind of cool because, so I had moved from Santa Cruz uh, in 2002. I moved to Virginia, uh, Richmond, because I was touring with a band from there. Uh, moved out there, landed in DC, was picked up by, by my friend Eric. And the next night, we, Eric's in a band named Strike Anywhere. Uh, Strike Anywhere was doing a six-week tour with Good Riddance and Anti-Flag, which was like awesome, right? Anyways, on that tour, um, you, as you both know in your interview, uh, Russ from Good Riddance is a big hockey guy. So on that tour, I remember in New Jersey hearing that Scott Niedermeyer was coming out to the show. So I remember this would have been 2002. So I think Team Canada had just won. So this would have been April 2002. So I think Team Canada had either won gold the year before. It was Salt Lake City, Salt Lake maybe, City, was yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So I remember, so that particular day, like, you know, I, I knew Scott was coming to the show. So I ran out to some 7-Eleven near the venue, got like a, got a Sports Illustrated, which happened to have like Team Canada on the cover, you know, and then brought it to the show. Scott signed it. Um, and then another, when we we're in Montreal, Good Riddance had um, Jose Theodore uh, come out to both their shows. They, we did two shows in Montreal at the Rainbow. And... Uh, and the goalie for the Habs, Jose Theodore, came out, played guitar both nights. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right in. Um, you know, so yeah, so I, I knew, you know, Russ, Russ was a big Jet Devils fan. At that time, on that tour, I didn't know about number two being a big, a big fan. I had just sort of met those guys. But a couple years later, when I actually worked for them, you know, when I was an employee of theirs, uh, obviously I found out he was more of a hockey player and, and since then, you know, it just kept, you know, knew he was more and more and more of a hockey player and, and, uh, you know, he had a chance to, to, I, I think, you know, I, I knew this, but I also heard it on your podcast. Like he had, he had a chance to play good big time college hockey, but he kind of became punk. Right. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, so that's, um, yeah, that's sort of the, uh, you know, part of that hockey stuff and, and those two guys that you had mentioned. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, it's always, it's, it's super interesting hearing the sort of path that you've taken and all the people you've met along the way. Like, we've, we've talked about this in the locker room and stuff like that, too, and, and uh, all the connections and, and it's pretty rad and um, we definitely appreciate some of the connections you've uh, hooked us up with for the show. So, yeah, so I'll just, I'll, and one more thing there, Tom, yeah. sorry to, nope. but I'll just kind of make another quick note. Like when I moved out to Richmond, Virginia in 2002, um, you know, so I stopped playing hockey probably in 93 in California. Didn't really pay attention to it. I went to a Kings game or two, um, really just stopped paying attention to hockey. And then when I moved back, when I moved to Richmond, um, I found out that Richmond had a pro team, um, Richmond Renegades, uh, which then became the Richmond River Dogs. And they were part of the ECHL, which yeah, yeah. then became the UHL, United Hockey League. Then it became the SPHL. But what I would do is when I would come home from touring with these bands, um, it was you know, I could ride my bike down to the Coliseum and pay $10 to go watch the Renegades. So I would literally buy myself, like I would come home from tour and every home game with the Richmond hockey team, I would just ride my bike to the Coliseum, block it up and just sit in the stands by myself with, you know, in, in a 15,000 capacity arena, there's probably a thousand people there. I just sit by myself and, and watch the local team. And then I kind of got back into following hockey. Yeah. The Capitals, you know, in the mid 2000s, Ovechkin, like, um, I, you know, then I started paying closer attention to, to you know, hockey. Again. You buy the cheap seats and then you just kind of work your way down right <laughs> behind the bench or well, whatever. I mean, Richmond hockey, every seat was $10. <laughs> yeah. That's what I did when I lived in Regina and we'd go to Pat's games all the times. So we'd just buy the $10 Safeway ticket 
And then, you know, you sit where you sit. And then uh, halfway through the first, you just go mosey on right down behind the player's bench or something like that. So sure. Yeah. 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 But uh, so let's let's talk about True North and and your, um, you know, your work with them and like what's going on there and how's that treating you? And like, I don't know exactly, you know, uh, we, we don't want to get into some classified information. Well, maybe we do, but <laughs> you probably, you know not really uh don't want to share too much uh about the behind the scenes stuff but but let's you know let's see what happens where it goes uh, what like what uh what's it like working with true north like they're they're pretty like in this city pretty highly reputed as a pretty good employer and such uh like what's your role with them uh you know you get to see jets games all the time you know obviously you're doing all the concerts and everything and then obviously this year has been a total like wash or whatever but um yeah just let us in on on some of that yeah so my my title at true north uh, i've been with true north for uh four or five years i think um you know keep in mind before that time i was going into the building and, and helping out with their shows um so I was familiar with, with, with the company, with the building, with the staff before that. But uh, yeah, I've been an official sort of, you know, employee for about five years. Um, yeah, and my title uh, is event production manager. So uh, I am one of a couple people who, uh, who just are, you know, our main role is, is, is our shows and our entertainment and our events, um, you know, at the arena. And we also do the Burton Cummings Theatre. Um, so yeah, my primary role is that, but I also do, uh, manage, um, schedule, uh, and run our, our ice crew operations crew. So those are the folks, uh, that are doing the TV timeout shovels and, and, you know, we've always got a couple operations people on during the games for whatever, right. Customer service and, and, you know, repairs and, and troubleshooting, um, but yeah, it's uh, truth be told, gentlemen, um, it is a, uh, it's the best. It's, it's an outstanding place to work. Um, randomly enough, when I was in Medicine Hat, I mean, my end game and my dream was to sort of come back to medicine, to Winnipeg and, and eventually land with True North. And, and that sort of has all happened in a weird sort of way. Um, the company's great. Uh, everybody there, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. You, you hear stories of, of other sports organizations and how they're, they're very heavy on the top and, you know, it's sort of the top's the top, the bottom's the bottom. Um, everything that I've experienced so far here in Winnipeg and, and at work, it's, it's just a big family and, 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 and this, this company, I mean, and, and they're, they're sports teams, which is, you know, they are a sports company um they you know they weren't an nhl company right they they happen to now have an nhl team but right. they started off with a, a you know they started off as an ahl company so ihl uh, to be exact yeah okay. <laughs> so, uh um right and again i'm not a winnipegger by by nature so uh uh you know but yeah it's i think that's i think that's been a part of their history and i think that's why they are who they are right like yeah. they, they didn't come in with this brand new mercedes right like they yeah they they, they came from the community and... yeah 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 and and that's the thing i mean you you know this as well tom both you and i are not from winnipeg originally but yeah winnipeg is very very it's a small place and it's a very tight community and and uh our organization is part of that um, and contributes and pays attention and, and does what it can, you know, yeah. for, for the community. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, doing our shows is awesome. Um, doing hockey, you know, uh, having access and, 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 you know, I mean, for, for running the ice crew and, and managing them, um, you know, I am in the building, you know, this season, the cool yeah, let's... season, I was I was in the building every game. Um, every other season, you know, I'll take a you know, I'll, there'll there'll be a couple games that I just you know they, they can do it on their own. Um, but this this particular season, I was in the facility each game. Yeah. 
Yeah, what this I think was Randy's question, but about being in the building this year with no fans. It was just you and the Bud Light seltzer guy. Yes, yeah. You know, and, like and, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Technically, weren't you the seltzer guy for <laughs> for a moment? No, no. I mean, I I I, uh, I walked. You know, I I had to move the uh, the outfit around. Um, I was never the character, but uh, okay. I had to. Uh, I had to take it, uh, you know, and place it in the dressing rooms for the for the person. Um, but yeah, that that's pretty funny how that took off. Nobody mm. nobody expected that. But uh, yeah, being in the building, I mean, there was you know there was a, a bunch of us, right? Um, you know, media each game, and and you know you had your you know your visiting team personnel, players and GMs in the suites, and our our personnel in the suites, and you know, game production was still the same, you know, cameras and, and audio and DJ and producers, um, you know, Zamboni guys were all the same and ice crew was all the same. So, um, but yeah, it was definitely, um, you know, it was obviously the very first game was like awesome just cause you're like, Hey, this is pro hockey. This is game number one. This is a unique situation. You're here. Not too many people are. This is super grateful. This is awesome. Um, and it was like that the rest of the season. But, um, you know, with that, uh, you know, as far as my role, like it sort of was and became repetitive. Naturally so. This isn't, this isn't anything bad. But, you know, you've got to think with fans in the building, you know, if a puck goes over, you know, you've got to make sure that nobody's injured, right, in the crowd. Um, maybe there's an extra stanchion that needs to be put up by a restroom. Um, you know, maybe there's security issues, but with no fans in the building, it's nothing, you know, you turn the lights on and the ref drops the puck and that's it, right? So, um, but it was still awesome. Like, um, you well, know, I you you were one of the very few people, aside from I guess the 250 uh, frontline healthcare workers, that would have saw, um, you know, a triple overtime goal. Like, were you in the building for that? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. like, yeah, that, and, and that's funny that you bring that up because I I forgot about that. Right. And <laughs> it, was, it was triple overtime. It ended at like 1:15 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, like those moments, like, you know, you know, you could say, uh, you know, any, any famous moment, like Timu Solani scoring the record breaking goal, you know, there's like 75,000 Winnipeggers that'll say that they were there when really there was only 12,000. Yeah. Like you can literally say you were one of the people in the building for that. And, you know, you've got the, you've got the credentials to, uh, to back that up, but we're, I'm we're running. You, yeah. I'm glad you reminded me. Okay. So we're, we're, we're almost out of time here. Um, I just want to one, uh, Tommy, I want, I want you to bring this back to Crest of Steel, maybe the okay. future, the future of the steel for, for, for the kind of the last question, but, uh, you know, just, uh, Keebs, because you've got definitely a foot in the, in the punk rock world and a foot in the hockey world. Um, just and how, how, why do those world, well, how can those worlds coexist? Like if you think about growing up as a kid, the punks were not into the jocks and the jocks thought the punks were all, you know, a less than ideal term. Um, so why, why, why is, why is it now that you see so many punks that are into hockey? I don't know. You know, I mean, this is a big conversation, so I've got to do my best to keep it short. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, punks, right. I mean, yeah, that's a good question, Randy. Okay, well, well, we can come back to that maybe next episode. But anyways, yeah. I just say it's like it's it's a theme that is you know it's so interesting to see, especially with guys like Eric Melvin, Russ Rankin, you know, even Chris and Beeve uh, and George for Propagandy, like myself, like you know, you know, how how, how like it just feels at, at times it, it, it it's really weird to see those worlds coexist because I think if you if you think back to high school the yeah. the jocks yeah, and the mean, punks did not get along so i have a theory about it yeah i think well first and first i do think obviously hockey is a very northern hemisphere sport yeah right? 
So you've got your Swedes, your Finns, your Russians, your North Americans, like that's a factor, right? So your punks from those areas, um, if they like hockey. And then truth be told, like I, I do feel that hockey, I mean, I think hockey has a long way to go, but I also think hockey is trying very hard and, and has been for a while to be very sort of inclusive. Um, you know, was it like that in the eighties? Maybe not, but there were still, you know, boys and girls in the eighties and nineties were playing hockey, right? Like yep. if you're growing up in, in Grand Prairie, Alberta, and it's December 23rd, like boy or girl, like you're outside in the Crescent, you know, skating on the pond, right? Like whether that's figure skating or playing hockey or doing both. Um, so whether that attracts the punks or not, I'm not sure. Uh, but, uh, I think, I think, uh, it's a quite a different scene in the United States as well. And Chris number two, when we had him on the show kind of touched on that in that hockey for, uh, quite a while there and it's growing in popularity, but it was kind of more of a quote unquote underground sport. And so it maybe attracted that as well. But I think for Canadians like us that played it as we were little kids, then we hit that age where we started questioning authority. And, you know, I, I was like, well, I'm going to go be a pro snowboarder now. That didn't work. But, um, you know, like we had our different, we kind of got out of hockey for different reasons, music or whatever. And um, like, it just, you know, then, and then we go on with life and then we hit, we hit our thirties and we're like, man, remember hockey? That was awesome. Right. Like, and then we, you know, we lace them up again. And I think, I, I don't know that I, part, that's part of my theory, but yeah, like I, I, I like a little nostalgia that. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Playing hockey for me, gentlemen, um, and, and listeners and, and, you know, you two are my teammates. It is the coolest decision and thing that I've done as an adult yeah <laughs> getting back and in that hour a week i plan my week I, my work and my <laughs> child care like yeah. i plan my week around that hour yeah it is uh, it is pure meditation it's there is no other thought when i'm on the ice like it is full throttle in that moment in the present like yeah you, know, you put everything out else yeah. out of your mind and it's all right anything. there what's for breakfast in the morning and I got a food prep or buy grocery. Like it's, you're just, well, if you're thinking about those things, you're going to have a terrible game. That's for sure. (laughs) But, but no, you're, you're right. It's, it's, it it is that moment of, of uh, being present. So um, just tell us, tell us what are your hopes and dreams for Crest of Steel in the future? Uh, My hopes and dreams. Well, obviously we've had a tough year and a half, all of us, the world. Um, my hopes and dreams are that the team, uh, you know, once once hockey starts back up, uh, our group gets back together and starts playing playing hockey again. You know, ideally in some sort of a league, um, you know, s- some competitiveness. Um, maybe once in a while there's some frustrations. You know, like I just like. Uh, yeah, just Have you so, got to take two in the box to cool down for a minute. Yeah, but you know, and and by frustrations, maybe frustrated with yourself, like crap, what yeah. did I do, right? Like, yeah, I made a bad play, or you know, yeah, I I just I do miss that. Uh, I I miss that week. I miss that week. Yeah, or that that hour of that week for sure. So so my my hopes is that uh, we we get back on track and. And we're all on that's there. that's the dream. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as more and more of us are becoming double vaccinated and uh, cases are reducing, we can be hopeful for the fall. And uh, maybe, you know, we'll uh, get to all get together again and slap the old biscuit around. But, you know, before we head out onto the ice as a team, we often, you know, like we we like to crank the tunes in the locker room. And uh, we're going to go out here on a classic locker room jam. This is a Keebler pick as well. We're going to go out on Thunderstruck by ACDC. What can you tell us briefly about why you chose this one? 
Uh, just, you know, growing up as a youngster watching hockey, I don't know if it was the Oilers or the North Stars, like that riff. No, that that riff, the beginning, you know, minute and a half or whatever it is of Thunderstruck, like that is what all hockey teams should watch. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, I did in my mind as an eight-year-old, and <laughs> I still do in my mind as a forty-two-year-old as I'm walking out yeah. with you guys. Like I feel, and I want that. I, that song's in my brain, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I do think that's obviously we we you know, every sports team on planet Earth plays that song, and and rightfully so. It's yeah. it is that song. It's a ripper, and it gets you charged up. So, uh, yeah, without any further ado, you're thunderstruck by ACDC. And listeners, thanks for tuning in. Keep your stick on the ice. Uh, you know, get pucks deep, quick shifts, and don't forget to check the lie of your stick because, uh, you know, you don't want that puck sliding right underneath your blade when you got your stick on the ice. So here we go now, ACDC. Killing